Hey, thanks for letting us be a part of whatever it is you're doing right now. This yeah. is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast where Rochelle and Carter. Maybe good point. They're doing something right now. I it could be trying to do a little exercise. Oh, okay. What do you think it is? What do you, um, I'm driving. Right. Oh, they think, wait, exercise uh, while driving? No, no, no. We're guessing oh, we're going anything. Yeah. Mowing the lawn. Uh, yeah, mowing the lawn's a good one. No, I already said that. You can't say that. No, I'm just, I was agreeing with you. Oh. Um, grocery shopping. Dusting the house. Hmm. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Are you done? You're struggling to think of these. What What could it actually be? I mean, you can name anything, but like watching TV is probably not what they're doing. That you're on a long purpose. drive, like Carter was talking about, but you're going to go visit your in-laws and you need some Jesus. Oh, now we're going to have backstories. It's not just the activity. <laughs> All right. So I think Susie is listening. Oh, Susie. And Susie just had coffee, but it's not enough yet. You know why? Yeah. How we know that? Because somebody called what? her Suze and uh -huh. she went off. And she snapped. It's she not Suze. It's Susie. It's All right. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. We uh, get into stuff that we've gone over a quiet time or life. And for example, here's one for you. Okay. A Muslim, a Jewish person, and a Christian play kickball together. <laughs> I thought these jokes were canceled. Well. This does not no. sound. <laughs> Politically correct. No. Well, here's the thing. It really happened, though. It, this isn't it, the beginning of a joke. The people who came up with the coexist bumper sticker? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're crossing territories oh, here. Okay. But no, this really happened. So my church, uh, my pastor is has um, done a lot of outreach with uh, the Muslim community, mm -hmm. and he knows a couple of imams, like like leaders yeah. in, the faith, in the Muslim faith. And so we got this thing together yeah. of an interfaith kickball tournament. And uh, so it's a synagogue and a team from a mosque. That and... is amazing. Well, and here's the thing, because I know how these things go. You mentioned the coexist bumper sticker. Right. You're not um, compromising your faith at this kickball th thing. There's no getting together and going, see, we all believe the same okay, thing. Good. Like yeah. there's it's not that. No, it's not. The In same fact, thing. I was I'm not able to say this on the air, but, um, but just because it would it'd be. Too quick to to for people to not not go. What? Huh? What? On we, our radio show? Oh, we're taking our time here on the podcast okay. where I can I can massage this. Where him and the imam have made I don't know say jokes, but recognized. I mean, he said verbatim. Our pastor, this is. He said verbatim. He thinks I'm going to hell, and our belief would say he's going to hell. Like mm. like it's it's very blunt. It's very open. And yet there's compassion mm -hmm. in the process, mm -hmm. right? They've and chosen to disagree agreeably. It, that's exactly right. Okay. And so we got together for this uh, this kickball tournament. And one story I will share, um, we were playing the team from the synagogue. And I felt that this was okay because my friend would have just done this anyway. But they felt like, man, you can't say that when you're playing the team from the synagogue. What did they say? Well, you when you play kickball, Somebody, and this happens in softball and stuff too, somebody from your own team pitches. So you make know, sure it's it's a fair and square, yeah. like we're we're rolling the ball the best we can. Right, right. Well, one of our players kicked the ball at the pitcher. I mean, just accidentally, right? Mm -hmm. And the pitcher and it was their own teammate. And their so. own teammate, and he caught it by oh, reflex. Oh no, that counts him out. And he's out. And so one of my friends, Patrick, goes, oh, come on, Judas. And, <laughs> and then like everybody's like, you can't say that now. We're playing the team from the synagogue. And I went, no, it's New Testament. I think we can. You know, there, there's this. This is the faith that, that crosses over. Really, we we believe that that, you know, the, the Jewish religion yeah. would be an incomplete Christianity. And yet we would we confirm all of the Old Testament. So I I think we're, we're kind of locking arms a little bit there. Yeah, I, I don't remember a Judas in the Old Testament.
No. Uh, there were several in the new. That's a New Testament name. Uh, more than likely, they get the reference. Right. So yeah. it would probably hu- be humorous. It's some. I think it's uh, the right one. It was an uh, accident anyway. Uh, but um, I, I just find it fascinating. Um, and this is kind of one of my main takeaways from this week. And I'll get to kind of lined with a little bit of scripture I read. Before, before you go there, uh-huh. who won? Because I'm really hoping. The Christians, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, what we did, Now, though, that didn't solve no. the eternal problem at hand. No, he did say, though, <laughs> afterwards, he said, I know it's hot, so if anybody, including the other churches, want to jump in, in the baptismal, we'd be <laughs> more than happy to dunk you if you want to. Oh, that got, man. That one got a good laugh from everybody. Oh, so, good, but yeah. nobody nobody took him up on that I offer. don't know. I don't know. <gasps> Maybe. Maybe it's prophetic. Yeah. He's being silly, but maybe it'll happen. Well, I mean, that's the point of me bringing this up is that we are are coming together as best we can. And I had this conversation. I've been doing a study on a different religion, a different view of things. And um, where can we lock arms at? Mm. Because like, you know, Baptist, uh, Presbyterians, Methodists, like we see things differently in some situations, yeah. more minor things, but we lock arms as Christians. Yes. And it's like, at what point can you lock arms with another faith? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, we could probably reach out to a mosque and do a backpack tribe together. Oh, absolutely. You know, that that's no Helping big deal. people in need. But in terms of preaching the gospel, we're not going to be able to lock arms in that. Sure. We're, we're, and that's where they've bluntly said this is just it's different. We have different beliefs. There is that progressive uh, movement that you see where more and more people are saying, oh, we're all going to the same place. What does it matter? Well, logically, it doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I love the compassion that we're able to just get together and do that. And what I what I read earlier this week in uh, Matthew, this is the words of Jesus. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes on about what you might encounter in Matthew 13. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong parable. This is the one right here. I was a little bit later. But that was a good one. That was that's a good one, too. Um, (laughs) Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much that had been planted. Anyone who hears uh, with ears to hear should listen and understand. He did go into uh, detail explaining that later in the chapter. Uh, but basically, you know, you have the cares of this world that are kind of the choking choking it out. You have the mm-hmm. fertile soil, which is the gospel is uh, the word of God is is in us and you you see fruit coming from it. Yeah, landed in a good place. And then you have the hard the hard path people who just reject it in, uh, mm-hmm. instantly, and then some who the kinda, shallow soil. We kind of talked about this a little bit ago. Like I think you see kind of that Doctor Strange scenario I set up, where the 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 portal that Doctor Strange opens, mm-hmm. uh, only God can do that, right? Yeah. Only God can stir hearts, mm-hmm. um, and that's why sometimes you say. Uh, you know, the gospel to somebody and they, they don't want to hear it. And then, and then maybe they, a little bit later, different stage in life, they'd be open to it. I think that's God stirring the heart, but they're only, they can choose if they walk through it. Mm. And I, I think for a season you see their heart stirred, you see interest, and then eventually it, 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 it goes away. 
And I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't think anybody quite knows how to break all of that down in what does that mean? Mm. Like, like of the four, who's going to heaven in that scenario? Is, mm -hmm. is it three of them? Is it one of them? Oh, I think all of that applies to all of us. All of it. So like even in the sanctification mode. In my in my brain, and Jesus may be like, ooh, Rochelle got a little something different. She went a little outside the box. <laughs> oh, that's scary. That might, but at the same time, I think he would welcome that because there are definitely moments where God has brought something to my heart, which is a good message, and I've rejected it. Oh, yeah, where yeah, he's that's true. In obedience yeah. and, and such, you know, I need you to do this. Uh, maybe that wasn't God, you know? Uh -huh. Or the, there are the moments where, um, where I haven't grown as much as I should and so the opportunity for that seed to grow, it's not going to make it. It's it's what it was referenced there as a tender plant mm -hmm. because it doesn't have deep rooting possibilities. I have not, I'm not at the, the depth of character yet or integrity yet or in that place of maturing yet. Um, so I'm falling short in that area. And hopefully someone can come alongside in both of these ways and say, hey, you've rejected obedience here. You're not as mature as you think you are yet here sure, in a, other sure. areas where I allow the cares of this world to choke what I know to be true out of my life. Yeah. And I allow yeah. care about worry, uh, worry about money or whatever it may be. Um, that's where his word isn't coming to flourish. And then there are places I think where his truth does land on good soil in my life. And it's like, okay, sure. clearly I have, grown in this area have you ever met a christian that's just amazing and you love hanging out with them but you bring up a certain political matter <laughs> and all of a sudden you see their maturity shrink yeah because they haven't grown in that yet and they haven't because maybe maybe they're a new christian and they're trying to figure out how do i say something in a way that does not cut people off at the coals like i literally want to be a bridge Mm -hmm. in some way, because Jesus is a bridge. And if he's in me, I want to help communicate this incredible message well. How do I do it? Not by burning the bridge, you know? So sure. how can I fellowship with people in such a way that does not completely um, tear down, emasculate, uh, you're a horrible person. How could you believe this because you're into this po political belief or whatever it may be. Right. So that's all I'm saying. There are areas of our lives where I think I, I certainly need to grow in. And I think that's where the rocky soil takes place. And so well, that's I what I meant by that. I think with it, we should read that because I think that's interesting. I, I, I do think personally that this context is about the before you become a Christian and the word oh, of God yeah. is the gospel. Yeah. I mean, into, Jesus is pretty clear about it. But. but I think that's an interesting thing for us to also see in our lives after mm -hmm. Christ of what areas of my life also this might be doing. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's worth it to read. This is what he says Absolutely. in uh, 1318. When the disciples are like, what does that mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He says, uh, yeah, he says in 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatched away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So that is interesting. I think you have a lot of people, I see it online all the time. Mm. People don't get Christianity. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't even, and you're like, how, like, I just feel like enough of the right message is out there but you see people with strange questions. So you believe that God's magic or, or like whatever it is. And you go, 
No, like really? Like if you okay, so I I think of it this way: if you have like you remember the slime that we used to love to play with when we were kids. Oh, I was thinking Nickelodeon. So okay. yes, that too. Well, you know, I'm talking about the stuff that somehow it didn't spread out all over everywhere. It pretty much was contained as long as you kept it in its little container. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, if it should happen to to touch lint, <laughs> uh-huh. uh huh, uh, it would stick to it or rice, you know, whatever you threw at this thing it would stick to it. Uh, if you threw lint or rice or something like that against a hard surface, it's going to bounce right off. Mm-hmm. So the path to me even in this, the path is hard. Right. Yeah. It's not been tilled. The soil's not been dug up a little bit so that whatever lands on it is going to be absorbed by it. It's just, I want to be, so in this scenario, I want to be slime. Mm. Yeah. It's a good, <laughs> good comparison. You see what I'm saying? The, yeah. So folks, uh, it's the heart and exterior. In many cases, I think it's our own self-preservation. They've heard or they've been served so much gobbledygook in their life. They have been duped one too many times, hoodwinked. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to preserve myself. And I'm not going to even think about what you may have to offer. I'm not going to open myself up to that kind of hope. Because it could be trash, number one, or... It's just another path that I'm going to get scammed by. Well, I think that's interesting because let me read a different translation. Okay. Because it says it's the one that does not understand it. And that's where I'm like, I I am so, because that's what I see more of, what you're yeah. describing, is, is people that are so, you know, the first set of people are people that are so staunch against Christianity is what I would think of. But people who don't understand it, and I guess that would come with, you don't, when you've been lied to, Mm-hmm. You don't understand. You don't understand what truth is. Maybe it's all inclusive because there isn't a separate category for people that are jerks. The people that are jerks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like they don't understand it. And I think if you don't accept something, then it's because you've not chosen to understand it. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, nine, uh, 20. Uh, the seed and the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They mm-hmm. fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I, I would have problems. I, w- I would think also that people that are very, this may be fifth, fifth the next one, but I, I actually know somebody that I, I'm concerned about because I see God stirring a heart. Mm-hmm. But I think at least at this moment, and I know that that can change, but at this moment, there's a particular way that this person lives their life that if they come to church or read scripture or have a conversation with a fellow Christian or or a Christian, uh, and you know, the truth is shared that this way of life is not what God calls you to, they may choose that over Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And I see this as potentially, again, maybe it's this category, maybe it's uh, the cares of this world is the next category where all too quickly the message is crowded out by worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think you do see people in that that may be uh, b- kind, of, kind of before getting into church or getting into a Christian life, and then I, I think you'd certainly see people with the ex-evangelical movement and, and deconstruction of saying... I choose this way of life, even though God calls, doesn't like says to not do it. Like I, you know what I want to do? I want to get drunk every night. And, and I choose that instead of following after Christ. 
me ask you this. Now, this is a big question. This would go to once saved, always saved, or Ooh. whether or not it actually really sank in the first time. Uh-huh. So for that category of people where the seed falls and something springs up quickly because they've been stirred, you're referencing the stirring. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that's even wondering, is is Jesus including those who have said yes, mm-hmm. but they're only halvesies in? Right, right. And have they truly... If you are, let's say, getting in the bathtub and you're going to go take a bath, you got to get all the way submerged. Otherwise, it's only your feet that got clean. And would you say that? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. See what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think Jesus was covering many bases when he shared this parable. And, yeah, I I think there's the, the first time you look at it, look at it from the plan of salvation. This is how sometimes people will receive the gospel, but I think it is applicable in every stage of our Christ walk. I think it's something to always be on the lookout for. I recently found out one of the artists that we play on our radio show years ago. Now she's all of a sudden, I'm not a Christian anymore. How does one go from professing Christ, Mm -hmm. singing with all of her heart, these beautiful hymns and songs, and all of a sudden she doesn't believe anymore. Um, and it's one of those, was that a seed planted in rocky soil? And then what does that mean for her in eternity? And we don't know the answer to that. That's between her and the Lord. But I think it is one of those things that I think Jesus brought it up because he wants to caution. He wants to caution us even further still. Once we've received him, don't let it ever revert back to. So what does that mean? Surround yourself with other good soil people. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I, I, I just... I see a movement, a younger generation, my generation, really, though, leading the charge, uh, millennials. Thanks for pointing out that it was yours and not mine. Uh, uh, well, I said younger generation. I know. <laughs> I, know. That's, I made the joke first. I get credit. But, but I made it more clear, and then it was, we laughed when I said it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I see my generation, unfortunately, leading the charge of, all right, let's uh, break everything down. Let's deconstruct and when they say deconstruct, they don't necessarily mean it um, up front of like, like, let's let's not become Christians. They say, let's look at, at, at everything that this is and really let's put back the good pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a good thing. I've actually heard somebody talk about this, it, that if you use the word reformation, well, that's what Martin Luther did. I mean, that's that is a good thing to go. OK, here's what Scripture says. And here's what we're doing that doesn't match that. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really good thing to do. Mm-hmm. If deconstruction was was used in that way, that's a really good thing to do. Unfortunately, what you see nowadays are people not using scripture as the guide. They're using ideals. They're they're, they're using own ideals. Culture, they're using ideas, ideals, and culture as the guide. And so they're saying they're also saying, especially the extreme ones, saying, okay, we also need to replace this in scripture, mm-hmm. and we need to scripture. We should change that, mm-hmm. and we should no 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 no. This doesn't change, but anything extracurricular like, like, you know, the American church, if we're doing something that we should change, that's okay. We should be flexible and moldable and, and be able to accept and be called out and go, yeah, you know, we've messed this up even for decades. We've messed this up. That's okay to recognize, but it, it, it cannot be at the cost of scripture. It can't. I think we justify those types of changes in the church because there has been abuse of scripture. Sure. Used against sure. That's true. people. And then those people needed to be called out. Mm-hmm. Right. Who were doing that. And right. it, it's very, oh, it must be so heart wrenching for our father God. Mm. But he's, I mean, 
Scripture points to it from the beginning to the end that this is what we've done. Oh, we've taken you at your word, and then we take your word, and oh, you like this? Stomp on it. I'm going to stomp on what you say. I don't believe it anymore. It's unbelievable what we have done with God's word. And so there's a balance to everything and saying, all right, yes, we know that people in the name of Christ have been abused at a great cost. Mm. So how do we remedy that? Well, and like you brought up Luther, there was reform there. We need to reform. People have, um, because the church has neglected in many ways to br- to draw attention to certain communities, mm-hmm. to certain people groups that have begged for attention, saying we are hurting here, please look at us. Um, and because there is, uh, there's division on these topics, there is refusal for the church to even look at it, to address it. Maybe it's an uncomfortable thing. Maybe it's in sex, it's sexual in nature. Mm. Pornography is another to- topic that we really don't touch. And so there's this tremendous amount of shame that's then kind of attached to it. And now all of a sudden these people, whoever that people group is in needing to belong, are going to go and find somehow I'm going to find a place right. where I can belong. And so uh, we, uh, it's interesting because now the scripture can be taken and well, let's look at the, the, the context of it. And does it really mean this? And now I'm going to use the, does it really mean this for my own gain and justify even a sin? Mm-hmm. These are the things we have to be on the lookout for. And it goes both ways. It really does. And we won't get into this issue, but I've been uh, 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 kind of just interested, intrigued at the the level of one guy that that got into a study of women in ministry and, and leadership roles and things like that. And, uh, you know, that, that's a whole other topic we won't get into, but it, it is fascinating to know that even, even Christians that to some degree are well-meaning scholars, that have written books saying the history shows that this would mean this and this and this. And then when you actually take time to look it up, right. They kind of made it up. They it's inaccurate. It's not backed by people. Yeah. What really impresses me is when uh, a person like Elise Strobel, that's a name we bring up a lot. He went into the case for Christ, which is a book that he authored and it became a movie about his life later on as an absolute atheist, and he was looking at it from, honestly, the desire of proving it all wrong, yeah, right? Yeah. And so he was uh, objective, if nothing else. And he came out on the other side of it going, I would I would really have to have more faith to not believe yeah. in what I've already uncovered. And he went to people who were not necessarily of Christian faith with questions like, all right, as a police officer, when I bring this kind of data to you with this many witnesses confirming that mm-hmm. Jesus is risen, right, right. would that be enough for you to make a police report and to to bring it to the DA to try to, you know, prosecute? Yeah. Yes, that would be enough. Okay, so he went to these types of people. And when you when you're able to look at it objectively, and that's so important, because I think to have a stronger faith, even to truly believe, not just um not just in a literal sense or like uh, I think we have this. <laughs> I've never really been partial to that side of my brain that sees things in black and white. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a free spirit. But if I can have both worlds, mm-hmm. yeah, which I think you can have through the spirit and through 
the evidence yeah. for Christ. And that's the thing is, is a lot of people reference faith by uh, 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 live by faith, not by sight mm. in, in Hebrews. And it's it's not a blind faith that it's calling us to. Right. It, it is a reasonable faith that it's calling us to. But there are it says uh, evidence of things unseen. Yeah, too. exactly. Exactly. So, so the evidence literally uses the word evidence. That's a does. good point. And so but just like a crime that was committed, if there's enough evidence there, you put your trust in the fact that this happened. Yeah. And nobody was there to see it. But there were fingerprints mm -hmm. and there was, you know, one witness or a camera got a glimpse of the car or a, I mean, you all of a sudden everybody on the jury is like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. I put my trust that this happened. But see, the enemy is like that. The birds that snatch the seed, they are the ones who present reasonable doubt. Yeah. And they yeah. they he paints a picture and he'll yeah. he'll confuse you with so much stuff out there. Oh, well, maybe you didn't really see it you know mm -hmm. of course that's the job of the defense attorney is to try to prove that you didn't really see what you really saw yeah that's true that's so true. it's it's one of those things where at the end of the day you can talk yourself in or out of anything what do you choose mm -hmm. yeah what path do you choose and i i firmly believe i mean my my dad when i was a young girl and i was struggling with doubt and i was in college and i'm surrounded by people of all kinds of belief systems. I don't even know if you would refer to it as faith in some of them, just existential ideas and stuff. I, I didn't even understand what they were talking about half the time. I'm like, Dad, I'm really struggling right now because of my anxiety. What if it's not true? Mm -hmm. There's this incredible song uh, by Nicole Nordeman, and it, it basically goes on in the chorus to say, but what if it is? And he he encouraged me, Rochelle, because he understood my obsessive tendencies to just not be able to get off the dime about stuff that's the nature of my OCD. And he said, I try to picture your life, sweetheart, where he isn't there. Mm. Just try to imagine your life without him. And I didn't want to. Yeah. And that was a first step towards just a secure and peace-filled place. Some might call that um, distracting myself with delusion, whatever you want to say. But I feel like your heart, your heart finds its home when it finds Jesus. You find peace in Jesus. You find in him nothing you will get from any other faith where you don't have to do good works in order to receive him. Right. Right. And we, we've talked to that about that ad nauseum and we can't get enough of it. But we've been inundated since we were itty bitty people. Oh, in order for you to get the the treat you need to do the chore yeah that's true in order for you to get the good grades you have to do the studying there's always this hey your hard work will pay off in some form <laughs> because up to the boss you'll get the raise whatever it is mm -hmm. um that's what we've been taught in our culture and so it's hard to divorce that thinking from our mind when accepting the grace, the unmerited favor that is Jesus Christ. I think that is the, the main uh, heart to share with, to bring this back to, if you have a Jewish friend yeah. or a uh, Muslim friend, and then also even just the, the evidence that we talked about. You know, the Muslim belief is that Jesus was not God, but he was very important. Uh, he was one of God's, uh, as in like God's chosen or a prophet, and that God would never allow one of God's chosen to have died on a cross. So Jesus never died on a cross, according to the Muslim faith. And and that is a, just that right there, in, in a loving way, maybe over a kickball game. Yeah, I 
love that. You bring up and go, now how is that the belief Mm -hmm. when you are literally the only, I mean, even atheists believe that Jesus died on a cross. I mean, that is the historical evidence overwhelmingly is that Jesus was a historical person and died on a cross. And, and you know, you you nicely, compassionately ask them how they reconcile that. And it, maybe it's a coffee date. Maybe it's like, hey, we play kickball today. Sure, sure. How you mean not on the field? Is coffee? that what you're saying? Not not when you're trying to catch <laughs> well, a fly ball? I, I feel like people <laughs> yell on the field. It might not be a great place to... People yell Judas on oh, the field. Oh, yeah, you don't yeah, believe? Yeah. <laughs> might not be a great idea. But <laughs> Judas on the field. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's fantastic. Find a point of connection with people. And that's what we do when we are in the elevator and we're uncomfortable with complete strangers. Oh, the weather outside. You know, we find we find a point of reference that we can connect with people on. And it's like religion is a point of reference. You believe in something. Yeah. And that honestly is is where we can we can see eye to eye on that, because there's a lot of people in this world who uh, are atheist, agnostic, or they just don't even think about it. They don't care. about. Sure. Sure. Um, And then uh, I I think. um, Wow, even a couple podcasts ago, we shared uh, from the Psalms, it was Psalm 22, such an incredible connection with the Jewish faith and the Christian faith Mm. and what happened with Jesus on Good Friday on the cross. And to even be able to at one point connect with a a friend who believes in the exact same God that we do, but just does not know the son the way we do. Yeah. Um, that would be a fantastic thing. And so when do you do it? When's the right time to do it? And that's kind of what I've been going over in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic read. It's not like certain books in the Bible. You're like, oh, I just can't wait to sit down and read Leviticus. (laughs) You know, actually found Leviticus very fascinating this last read through. I really did. I think the more you read it, you go, oh, this kind of makes sense. And Joshua was more of a drag this okay. time around. Yeah, you're not, I don't think you're. Probably we, normal. We respect scripture, but I don't think you're bringing anybody over to your Leviticus team. Oh, Leviticus. Uh. <laughs> but uh, Acts is great. And um, I, I found this through my kids. Perhaps you have heard it a zillion times. This just, I'd like to play a little piece of a motivational speech from okay. one Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Yes. This is just for any, for motivation for anything, right? Okay. <laughs> do it! Oh, gosh. <laughs> just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! <laughs> Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible! You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! (laughs) Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. And then he just poses. Yeah, he poses. That, That was posted. August thirty first, August thirty first of twenty fifteen. Okay, and I want to go back at, in 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 Google how many people <laughs> attempted to run through brick wall <laughs> on August thirty first, twenty fifteen. Wow. Okay, so I watched it. You should watch. It's a green screen behind him. Now there is a longer version. I've not. I've not watched that. I have no idea what's in that. Okay. But this is a one minute motivational speech. I did not. No, I did not research context. 
<laughs> but I was, I, this is so sad, highly motivated after watching it. I'm well, not yeah, kidding. That's not sad. That's what it's for. The, what really, but it was also hilarious because the poses he does, he gets so mad. Oh, yeah. With the thought of you not doing it. <laughs> Just do it. But I, I loved when he said, if you are tired of never achieving it, then stop giving up. I just, it really struck me. It's mm -hmm. like, if you are tired of having to start over and over again, then you need to stop giving up on your first try. So this morning I'm reading, by the way, I think it was a podcast or two ago, I was talking about Peter and it's after they have this upper room experience. Um, and I, if I'm referencing stuff that's confusing, it's all right there in like the first three chapters of Acts after Jesus goes to be with, with his father, God in heaven. He says, I'm sending the spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit. It looks like fire has lit up their heads like when it comes down in this place where they've been staying, this upper room. And there were like 120 of the followers up there. It was a big deal. And they came running down after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak all these different languages. And I, I think I had it in my head from a movie that immediately Peter was on the, the steps of the temple. He was in Jerusalem. It doesn't really say where he was at that point. I was like wondering how and where would you have a crowd of 3,000 people that were listening? I mean, there was more than that. 3,000 of them got baptized that minute. But I just, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure whenever I find like a discrepancy in what I said, not that that's going to change anybody's eternal decision, hopefully. We were, we were on pins and needles wondering if you're going to apologize oh for that. Oh, my word. He, she said he was I on the steps. hugely apologize. But I, I did hear from Peter today on the steps or right there at the gate. And this is, a, this is this incredible story. And I wonder why, when I meet Peter one day, I'm going to say, why did you have him look at you? So they, they go through this gate, gate beautiful, and it's right there um, at the temple. And there's this gentleman who, I don't know if he's carried there every single day, but he is a lame person who has been there day after day. People have seen him, so they would recognize this guy is always begging for money. And Peter and John, Jesus' good buddies, go walking by that day. And they see this guy and he's sitting there begging and he, you know, is asking them for help too. And then Peter's just, for some reason, this stood out to me today. Look at me, look at us. I don't know if he was looking somewhere else. I, I've certainly met that person uh, on the street who maybe is looking for a handout and they're always looking to the next person too behind them. Hmm. Maybe that's what he was doing. Or the people that won't look up. Maybe he was looking down. Maybe he felt shame. I don't know what that that part of the story was, but there was maybe something in his expression, something behind his eyes, and Peter knew this guy needs a healing. Now, because this is the one lame person that was mentioned, I'm sure they walked past many. Mm. Uh, from what I understand, there were areas saturated with people, and perhaps I mean you've heard of tent cities. Um, just saturated with people in need, but for some reason it was this gentleman. And Peter and John said, we don't have any money. But you know what? We, we got something better than that. And strength in his legs, strength in his ankles, strength in his feet. This guy goes running and leaping and praising the Lord. It's this incredible moment. And so Peter and John in that moment, they are, mm, just do it. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is the moment. Mm -hmm. We're not going to shy down. We are going to take take the steps wherever it was they were and they start preaching 
and the council and the Sadducees get a little flustered. The Sadducees are the that group of uh, Jewish scholars and teachers that don't believe in the resurrection. And Peter and John were saying Jesus was resurrected. And there's a way there's a way for you to uh, be forgiven of being one of the people because we don't think that you knew at the time when you put him on a cross that he was the Messiah. But there's a way that we can we can get this done. Jesus can forgive you. Let's, you know, and they, they preach the salvation message right there. Yeah. And then Peter and John get put on trial a little bit in front of the council. They're brought in front of this. And we've shared this before in a podcast, uh, maybe last year, that the council um, has, the, there's a high priest guy. He's supposed to just be one. It got real political in the day of Jesus. Annas was taken out by the Roman Empire. He was the the Caiaphas of the times, like at the turn of the, I don't know what you call it, the turn of the century, I guess, the beginning of A.D. But for whatever reason, maybe it was a power trippy thing. Rome was like, no, you're not going to be that guy anymore. And so there was always a family member of his, though, that was in that seat. So that was sketchy. And and whenever Annas was around, uh, whatever Caiaphas was around, it was like Annas had him in his back pocket almost like. And his later on, his uh, other son, I think, would take the the high priest um, seat. That was a big deal to have that seat because what you said basically went. The high priest is supposed to be the one connection that people had with God. And anyway, he gets brought in, or John and and Peter get brought in front of them. And it was the lamest, honestly, because they're like confronting Peter and John about what they've done. How dare you do this? You should not do this. And Peter and John just said, look, this was the guy. It was prophesied by David in the Psalms that this Jesus was the guy. Yeah. And they just... Here are these guys that weeks ago had been running away from anybody that might take them, you know, by force into their presence of the council. And now they're boldly standing there. And it says in the book of Acts, it's like they were just stunned. These guys aren't even that educated. Here they are standing here and they're talking with authority. And what's happened? And so what? Peter and John tell them what happened. This is this is what's going down, and we're not going to stop talking about you. Well, we command you to stop talking about it. Do you think we want to obey you, or do you think we should obey God? Yeah. I mean, they put that question to them. Yeah. And so basically, they just, uh, yeah, well, we're going to let you go, but just don't do it again. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I thought about the amazing, um, the brave, the, the the bravery, the courage of the disciples to do what they did, and I did then immediately cross reference in my brain today. There's uh, there's something I need to watch, and I would really encourage my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to watch this, as you were even talking about playing kickball with people of a different faith, that we do not get an air about us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only we didn't do anything to deserve Jesus. We didn't earn a position in heaven. It was given to me. There should be no condescension, only compassion. I never want to be like, well, they're stupid. Right. I've had that tendency the past, especially when I was a little kid, when I'd hear about the bad guys that don't believe in Jesus. No, those are, those are guys making poor decisions that need Jesus. Yeah. And it's by grace alone that you know about them, and it's a it's a free gift. So why don't you share it with them too? 
And so I want to have, I want to be brave. I want to be courageous. I want to just do it. <laughs> I don't want to wait around until it's too late. I want to do it in, in a way, though, that serves and is humble. And it would make my daddy God cry and go, that's my girl. You know, she, she, she gets it. Jesus, he was heavy handed when he needed to be. But I think we use that sometimes in a way that is so aggressive and so not the nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like he was holy. He was righteous in his anger. He, he, he didn't sin. We see our social media platform sometimes as an, uh, an opportunity to look down our nose at others for what they, what they think that they believe. Even those people that utter nonsense. Well, at least I'm not like that idiot. Mm-hmm. Those thoughts cross our minds, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm vice versa. Of course, they they say that stuff, but we are called to a higher level. We're called to the purpose of Christ. It's not lowering ourselves to a standard of of the world. It's it's like I I've called you not to be natural. That's a natural response. I've called you to be supernatural yeah. because I'm in you. We, we it's like if somebody wins the lottery, and and then holds it over your head and goes, "Wow." <laughs> You don't have three hundred million dollars, and a I do. Great example. You yeah. can't hold that over my head. You got, you, you, you are so lucky. You are so fortunate. Yeah. Really, the only people in that scenario that could say anything that could put hold it over people's heads are people that that worked hard and earned it, and legitimately had three hundred million dollars. Mm. But in this scenario of grace, nobody's earned it. Mm-hmm. Only God has earned any sort of standing. Because he just really is. He didn't even need to earn it. He just is. But it's interesting that you said that because it, it Peter and John, I mean, they reference the fact that God honored and and lifted, glorified Jesus to that position in mm-hmm. heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. actually prophetic from the, the Old Testament scriptures. And 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 so we get to share in that. Yeah, we do. Co-heirs with Christ just because of grace. And so we can't hold that over people's heads. No, we can't. I, I had to, somebody in our lives tell us that they're leaving their church. And I was curious why to, to leave a church. It, 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 as I get older, I, I see that it really needs to be serious. Mm-hmm. It, it should be a serious thing. We shouldn't just church hop or even because they made us mad about something. It should be doctrinal or or some sort of crime going on or or something serious and I, and I could see this being serious enough uh leaving because the pastor is kind of a jerk <laughs> <laughs> okay and it's not anything I, I I don't even think she used the word jerk but hard he's a hard man hmm. and just felt that a person uh, of Christ should it's great teaching and there's nothing wrong being taught but it's so harsh mm. and just thinking that a person of God should be bold and blunt, but also compassionate. And, and that's why I told him about our church. I feel our pastor does a great job of the balance of that. He won't not say it, but he'll do it so lovingly. And one person that I will name, um, cause he's just so public that, that I have a hard time with at times is John MacArthur. Mm. John MacArthur is one of the best teachers in the world, but, Man, is he like? This is the way it is. And yeah. I see. I used to. I see those. Uh, those old things where he'd go on Larry King. Uh-huh. Man, he'd say truth. Oh my gosh, he would not back down. Yeah. And I really felt he was pretty even compassionate on some of those videos. But I've just seen clips, you know, here and there lately. I'm like, I don't think that's it, man. Like that's just really, really harsh and hard. 
And I just want to, I want all of us as the body of Christ to lift each other up and go, I think we can do better in the how, but we should never compromise on the what. I, you know, I never want to confuse the path kind of soil, the hard pressed soil with the well tilled soil. And we can go back to that place for things to grow. They have to be in the right environment Mm. and you're a part of that environment. And if you're not adding to contributing to watering, bringing in that sunshine, Mm. things will not grow. And yes, there's a time for pruning things. Absolutely. But it's both Mm -hmm. nurturing um, as, as well as pruning. So I understand that, you know, Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. What does that mean? Well, later in scripture, Paul references the sword uh, of the spirit is God's word. And so even when we see the, the picture of Jesus coming out of heaven in Revelation and he has a sword coming from his mouth, what is that symbol symbolic of? Yeah. His word is now being made it's coming true. Right. My word will never pass away. So when we start to make these kinds of connections and realize, so he's not talking about being a, a bit of a Christian bully. Mm-hmm. Well, the, <laughs> right. You know, uh, he was very clear with Peter and the disciples, those who live by the sword, die by the sword. We want to make sure that we are, we are speaking truth, but doing it in love. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something to the effect earlier today, something to the effect of, Let's call out stuff. Yeah. But let's be respecters of people. And and to um I never want to um mi- mistake those, you know. It's a, it's always I think it's a work in progress always. And I mean sometimes the the John MacArthur's and maybe maybe it's a loving nudge from a brother coming alongside and say, "Bro, you've you've done really well." Yeah. We've seen you do really and, well. And I think so too. And I, I just want to love on you and, and say, hey, this this is coming across this way. Did you intend it to? And I want to make sure to be respectful there because um, I think we can certainly uh, say things openly, uh, but I know there's the context of if anybody sins against you, go to them in private. And I just want to say that because John MacArthur has done nothing right. to me, no, you know, and I sure. would go to him if I if I knew him and it was something personally against me. But I think I think openly, especially when it comes to false teaching, mm-hmm. we can call that out. We can talk openly and publicly. Um, and John MacArthur's teaching nothing false. He is he, he is a great, great teacher. You but can I, do that firmly, though, but also in yeah. love. Yeah, but also in love. And, and, and that is inspiration for me to to also do that because I. I roll my eyes at a lot of stuff I see online and people when they I see I roll my eyes at tweets. But when I start seeing a person do it multiple times, then I start rolling my eyes at the person. And you're not alone. Everybody did that. Paul did that. I think that's one of the reasons why. Now, do I have proof of that? No. I think it's one of the reasons why he kept talking about it, though. Truth Mm. and love. Truth and love. Mm. Uh, Because I think he had a situation that popped up with John Mark and Barnabas. Mm. And all of a sudden, Paul's like, I'm not down with going out with John Mark on our ministry trips anymore. And Barney was like, see, that's a problem. I think it's okay that he comes with us on our trips. And they, it says they went their separate they ways. Went, so we don't know what happened there. They but never had contact again that we know of. So maybe there was a little bit more truth than love in those moments. Sure. And sure. it got a little harsher. And so we're always learning. It doesn't make anybody a horrible person. It's just always... Lord, I want to see myself the way you see me as someone ever in process and being refined. And when you need to call me out, it doesn't mean I'm a horrible person. I'm just your child that you're correcting. 
because you see something in me, the potential in me um, that maybe I don't see in the moment. God sees everything. And just like I do with my own children. I mean, how many times have you been like, stop doing the thing? Mm -hmm. Why are you telling him to do that? Because I know the potential he has in his future, not according to for our own glory, but it is for his. So what you're saying is we should do it. Oh, That's that's all. Thank you so much for being here with the Anything with Quiet Time podcast. Speaking of harshness. That was really loud. <laughs>